Good. Morning, ladies. <laughs> Jamie and House and ESG. She's going to be dropping the fitness. It's just ESG these days. Cause she's oh, getting, yeah. Because she's, really. she's getting so big time. <laughs> so how are you, Emma? I am very well. How are you? I am very well. I had a, a semi-phone swap Thursday, which meant that, you know, I was so excited with the stuff that I was producing that I wanted to kind of post it and I get a bit too excited with content. I did a, I spent three hours editing a video in the morning, which I had an idea for, um, and it's been very well received. So ah, good. Always nice when you put a lot of time and energy and effort into something and it benefits others. So I think that's a really good thing. And um, we came up with a bit of a concept for this live stream. And uh, if you haven't got time to listen to the whole thing or watch the whole thing, do not panic. I'm going to be editing and uploading this to the Train With Jay podcast. I've also just uploaded yesterday part two of The War of Arts. Um, so I'm halfway through reading that book now. If you have not read this book and you would like a listen, you can also listen to that free on the Train With Jay podcast. Um, the great thing about listening to books is it absorbs but the best thing for me about reading a book which i've read before talking and narrating it then editing it is that i spent the best part of four to five hours just reading 50 pages of a very very good book which is incredible because it really helps absorb that information <laughs> fantastic so we are yeah, gonna... i find that as well if, especially if you're reading something and actually we're kind of going to come on to that with these quotes but if you read it, then understand it, and then explain it to someone, yeah, then you've sort of nailed it. Otherwise, sometimes it kind of just goes over your head. Yeah, I, I've got the concept in my book about knowledge, and you know, it, it's a kind of a once again we like our pyramids, but it's a pyramid that says ninety percent, you know, effectiveness of learning something is teaching others, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's true. You know, whenever I want to absorb um, a concept. I usually save it for these lives because I'm genuinely interested in what other people's um, opinions are on it because mm-hmm. sometimes I look at things very differently to you and sometimes I miss the boat on something and vice versa. And one thing I, the reason I got these Naval ones up, and those don't know, Naval um, Ravikant, um, he's an angel investor and very, very deep thinker but also i found him because i was reading tools of titans by tim ferris and read the chapter where he was interviewing him i was like who the hell is this guy these quotes are but then when i send a few to mike he's like i disagree with that i'm like hmm interesting why is that Mm. and and then obviously says his opinion and i'm looking at it from a different perspective because it all depends on how you you know how you read something and how it's like anything you know it's that kind of are you beach body ready so somebody that could be motivating, inspiring to get in the gym, and some people it could be very hurtful and body shaming. So yeah, and it's like in this sort of day and age with being PC all the time, it's so hard to really say anything without someone being offended by it. Yeah, and yeah. I think we have to accept that like being offended by something is absolutely fine and is probably a part of life. Like it doesn't mm. just because you're offended by something it doesn't mean it shouldn't have been said. Yeah, exactly, and. I think so many people need to be self-aware of why that offends them. Mm. You know that, and are you being defensive? And a lot of the time, it's to do with insecurity. You know, whenever you know I've been in a negative mindset, I've been defensive. I go, "Why are you so angry about this? Or why are you so defensive about this?" Is because it hurts, and mm. you're still trying to d- 
deal with it and you're still trying to find ways of dealing with it and framing it and coping with it and you know lots of different ways and you know us as humans are, are very strange people but we're going to be doing four quotes today and we're going to kick start with one that you selected Emirate, and it is it is the mark of a charlatan to explain a simple concept in a complex way what are your kind of uh, thoughts well on this, this in fact this uh is nicely linked to kind of what we were just talking about before we started this um so I, I see this a lot in nutrition is making just scratch my head for a second. Yeah. <laughs> that. So making things far more complex than they need to be and almost using that as a barrier maybe to sell something or to make you feel like yeah. It's to sell a book, for example, or to sell like a dieting method, or even to make it feel like you couldn't do it alone. Like you couldn't do this diet alone because it's far too complex. Like nutrition's far too complex for you to do alone. You'd need to hire me to do that. Or get like just making things that at the basis level are quite simple, yeah. really, really going into the science and, and not not giving you the sort of take home applicable points, just talking at a level that you wouldn't understand. Yeah, that's what I say to people. I say to a lot of the gents, if muscle building was hard, half the people in your gym wouldn't have muscle. Mm. And it's like you go and speak to a guy who's built like a British shit house, and there's not much going on upstairs. Um, and that's not disrespectful because I'm allowed to say that because I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> but it's just understanding that you know the fundamentals behind what he's doing is just consistency and effort and enjoyment and if you do enough of that for enough time you get a result um yeah and then i like the einstein quote that kind of links into this as well as that if you can't explain something simply you don't understand it well enough yeah and i think that you know if you are say you come up with a with this sort of situation where someone's trying to overcomplicate something, if you can keep like without just being like why why why, but keep asking why, keep delving a bit, you'll probably realise that they unfold and they can't answer the questions because they don't understand the concept like well enough to explain what is applicable. So if you kind of bring it back to okay, you're saying that this and this happens on a physiological level, what does that mean for me and my diet? And they can't say what it does mean or even that they don't know because a lot of the science you might you might find actually that we don't have the answers yet this is an interesting theory but actually in terms of you applying it to your diet we're not there yet so we can't apply it to your diet um but yeah if if you find yourself in that situation try and delve a little deeper and you'll quickly realize they become a little bit unwound and don't quite yeah. have the answers um i i very much with this one go down do you know who richard Feynman is no um, he is a quantum physicist who won the Nobel Prize um, and he came up with something called the Feynman Technique which is just four things choose a concept teach it to a toddler identify gaps and go back to the source material and then number four review and simplify which is optional um, and he says there are two types of knowledge and most of us focus on the wrong one the first type of knowledge focuses on knowing the name of something the second focuses on knowing something these are not the same thing yeah um, and it's like you know we all need to identify like the reason that we go to a doctor is because we need to identify a name for something because that makes us feel better it's like i don't feel well that's okay you've got the flu oh i feel better now and it's like well you only feel better because you know what it is Mm -hmm. because you somebody who's smarter than you has identified what it is that doesn't mean that you've improved it you've just understood what somebody else has said and i i, I don't want to rabbit hole too much down on that but so many people just say stuff 
I did keto and I lost 50 pounds. Great. That doesn't mean keto is the best thing for weight loss. Um, mm. And I think people just get confused of understanding that the, there's, there's many different tools for different things. But yeah, it's very, it's very easy to regurgitate information without understanding it. So just sort of rewriting what someone else has said without understanding what it means. And I think it's why it takes me so long. Like I've been reading the same book for a couple of weeks now because it's really interesting, but I'm writing down notes on it each was time. Was it? University code by Jason. <laughs> what book it was, was it? It was not. It was called, um, I don't have it here, and I have the worst memory. Um, but it was by Giles Yeo, who's a geneticist. Mm, interesting. So a lot of the concepts like I'd have to look up a little bit. So I was like, well, I don't really have the background in that field to understand it. So it took me a little while to like understand it in a way. And I always like to be able to explain it. A lot of the times that's where my Facebook posts or posts on Instagram or whatever come from is I'm trying to make it understandable enough for, for people who don't have a science background to understand. Yeah. And but so sometimes you need to talk it out to, to realise... Mm what you're taking it and that's why sometimes i like to do a presentation on a concept not because i currently know it but because by friday i will better understand it because i've got to look at both sides of each one and i find that fascinating it's like oof. rather than say that person's wrong it's like that that answer's fascinating how have they come to that conclusion um and then you kind of deep dive you're like oh that's where they fucked up you know <laughs> And it's something that we spoke about, which um, our good friend Dr. Mike spoke about with uh, an article talking about calories and started talking about where calories came from and burning and stuff like that. And then what? And then suddenly decided processed food burns differently uh, and then decided to cut it out and then started exercising and they lost weight. Then cut, completely disregarding the fact that calories don't matter and, and things like that. And it's like, well, you know, that made sense until you said that. And now you've just kind of. Yeah, I think there's that. There's often with all of these diets, especially low carb or keto or cutting out certain food groups, the notion that calories don't exist because you haven't counted them to lose weight, but you've still cut them out. Like that's the only way you've lost weight. It's just you've not consciously counted them and cut them out. And actually, for some people, that's far better um, or like an easier diet to, fit to stick to. Like a lot of people don't like counting calories, but I don't particularly like counting calories. So if, you know, just reducing your portion sizes or something like that, you still have reduced your calories, but you've not had to track them all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, you know, my own kind of thing is I am kind of intuitive stuff, but if something's not working, then I, I delve a little bit deeper. As in, if, it's, if I'm getting a result from it, I'm not having to think too much, then that's great. But if I noticed it's been a few weeks and I'm really not changing, I know that it's because my approach just needs a little bit more scrutiny. What I find quite interesting, and this is such an obvious observation, but I mean, my fitness pal has only really been around, what, for the last 10 years? If that, less, I'd say. Like when we started in fitness, people weren't tracking on my fitness pal. Yeah. With, no, right. So, but before that, People still lost. In fact, before that, there was just as many overweight people and there was just as many lean people. So I think remembering that sometimes is quite important because, yes, it, it is a brilliant tool, but you can do it without it. And we have been doing it without it for many, many years. But now everyone seems like that's the only way. And if you don't track your calories, 
I think sometimes though when you're not measuring and managing things certain beliefs and concepts can come into play to work such mm. as no carbs after six such as i don't eat carbs on holiday such as you know these aren't scientifically backed but they are patterns of behavior which are going to get you a result which when understood properly why they work is a good thing when i have someone <laughs> say to me and goes jamie I'm, I'm going keto i know it's not wizardry but Monday to Friday, I really can't be asked to count calories. Um, I know it's harder to eat fats and proteins. I feel full on them, and my mind is taken away, and I still get a result. High five. Instead of saying, I go keto, and it works for me, so that's why I'm doing it. Um, and that's, that's the end of the conversation, um, which both in themselves produce the same result, but it's a different understanding where that pattern of behavior might not necessarily work for that second person because then they're getting confused when they adopt a different principle when it doesn't work as well. Yeah, because they understand why it's working. It gives them that flexibility. Yeah. And, you know, I choose to eat pretty low carb during the week, but I know fine well I could eat high carb during the week. It's just an easier pattern for me to do that. So, yeah, I think the, the knowledge behind, like, if you want to do these dietary approaches, I think people are too quick to be like, keto is ridiculous. And actually, when most people say they're doing keto, they are actually just doing a low carb diet, which is a much better approach because you you know ketogenic diets are actually quite low in protein as well so most people are actually just eating a lower carb diet which is a far better approach if they want to call it keto i don't really care like some people get all up in arms about it but technically it's not a ketogenic diet you may not be in ketosis yeah um, and actually if you're only doing it during the week you probably aren't in ketosis because it takes a couple of days to to get to that stage but it's sort of besides the point like you're yes you're doing a lower carb diet it's working for you as long as you understand why it's working for you it's an easy way for you to cut calories without thinking about it crack on yeah okay so we're going to move over to my quote and we'll, we'll alternate between it because i'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one actually desire right. is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want firstly do you agree or disagree with that Say it again. Desire. Desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. I don't know if I agree with it, but I don't particularly like it. I think you can be happy and content in the journey to get to where you want. Yeah. But I think I think where this is why I like you like I don't like it but I love it. If that makes sense. Like because there is no right answer to it because it's different to the individual. I think a lot of people desire to have the body of their dreams and make themselves unhappy to get it, not knowing that you need to be happy now and you need to enjoy the journey for it to be sustainable. So technically it's true because so many people believe that they have to be miserable to get what they want. And that's where I kind of see it is because we see a lot of people that doing miserable things to get what they desire, which is essentially losing a few pounds and getting in shape. But then you tend to find if you take that approach, when you do get to this magical place where you've reached the body of your dreams, you're not happy because you've got there by a restrictive manner that doesn't suit your lifestyle and then you can't maintain it. Or you think that you will be happy when you look a certain way, but actually... 
it doesn't actually change as much as what you thought it would. But you've missed the word. You said happy. We're talking about desire. I thought it was... Wait, say the quote again. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love this quote, because it's, it's very kind of desire. No, you said that you'd be unhappy until you get there. Well, okay. Yeah, so, all right, let's... let's, let's I'm still trying to work out as well. Desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until we get what you want. So I desire a physique, therefore I'm going to be miserable until I get it. Instead of, um, and that's why I say is that desire and unhappy. Um, people. I'd say unsatisfied. Yeah. Would work better than unhappy or unfulfilled. Yeah. But then, you know, are you an. Are, are you unhappy in a calorie deficit? No. Are you? No. Well, a lot of people are. Um, Are you unhappy with the choices that you make in the gym in order to get the things that you want? So neither am I, but I think a lot of people are, and that's, they desire. So many people, I mean, desire is wanting something that you don't currently have. Mm hmm. Um, and I, I, what I understand is that if you desire, you've got to be careful what you want to desire because it can make or break you. Sometimes it's good to have big goals. Like I desire, I mean, I'll tell you now, my desire is to have a very nice house on the beach. I, I, and I haven't given myself a timeline for it, but I've given myself a kind of a, a mental one where I want to, you know, really need to have a look at myself for, for myself to get there. And that, that motivates me, but at the same time, I don't desire to be unhappy until I get it because I know that if I do something that we spoke about last week, if I do small monthly and daily practices each day for the next eight to 10 years, I will have that. So I'm not going to be miserable for that. And also if I don't get it, I, I will be happy too because I think something that a lot of people don't have is gratitude for what they currently have mm-hmm. which i think it's important to desire things but it's also important to be grateful for what you what you currently have and where you currently are. i did a post on this this morning um and so many people don't practice that gratitude they're so f- hyper focused in an outcome-based goal that they sometimes ignore their, their family around them their friends their loved ones the fact they've got a roof over their head and three meals a day <clears> and so many people get caught up in that because you kind of it's that kind of hedonic adaptation to life because not it's not until you go on holiday to a a remote country that really is struggling that you suddenly realize your life isn't so bad because it's that comparison Um, or you get hit with something that puts everything in perspective like god forbid but like a family member gets sick or you your health is compromised for some reason and you realize actually what matters and like the things you know everything's just sort of put in perspective for you very quickly so what do you think the solution is um to desiring things or the way that you go about getting what you want when it comes to let's talk let's talk specifically fat loss and and uh training I think it's definitely a mindset thing. Like, are you coming at this because you want to improve yourself? So then it's a positive outlook. Like, here I am now, but I'm going to do this, this, and this because I want to improve where I am and I want to get to this goal. 
but I'm going to enjoy myself on the way because I am grateful and I appreciate everything I have right now, but I just want more. So it's like you're content, but not satisfied. Yeah. Which I think is a good place to be. Like, I'm happy where I am, but I want more. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing to have. Uh, so it says, I desire to win the lottery. Um, I, I would honestly think that would be the, the worst thing that could happen. Um, yeah, you'd have no focus, would you? And I've, I've, no got, drive. I've got a story for this, and I, w- I won't crack on because I hear everybody go. But I remember when iPods, you know, those big fat iPods were out, and you could get a pair 150 quid and get this connector in your car. So I had 60 gig of music in my car, and I could play any track I wanted. And I only played like one album. Um, and what happens with Spotify these days, I say to somebody, what do you want to listen to? You can listen to anything that you want in the world and you don't know what to pick. Because the thing is, is when you win the lottery and you can buy anything you want, you suddenly lose all desire for things because you can have them at a click of a finger. And that's where desire is a powerful thing because you always want to look forward to things and you always want to work towards having things. But if they're given to you on a plate, you don't desire them anymore. If, if you woke up, ladies, and you had the body of your dreams, I guarantee you, and you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, well, firstly, it wouldn't last long because you don't know how you got it and you don't know the daily habits and practices that you did to get it. Um, and, and secondly, it wouldn't, you wouldn't feel like you've earned it. So you wouldn't appreciate that you had it. Um, yeah, I, I always think this when people give like honorary degrees. I'm not even really sure what the concept is, but it means nothing to you because you haven't studied for it. Like, yes, you have this degree in whatever. Normally it's like English lit or something they give away. And then, but what that absolutely means nothing. Whereas if you've worked for four years, three years, if you're in England for your degree, then that does mean something to you. Yeah, because you've earned it and you've earned it in a different way. And that's it's very much like military, um, random one. There's two of the biggest arduous courses in the army, which is the commando test and um, P company, which is parachute training. And commandos get given their wings. All they have to do is the jumps. They don't have to do the two-week arduous special forces test to get them. They just get, they've just got to jump out of a plane and get them. And paras hate that because they had to earn that two weeks. And there's a 70% dropout rate for that two weeks. So they hate the fact that they just get given the badge when they've had to like literally probably take two or three attempts to do it because it's so tough. So it, it, it is a perspective on it. Uh, Elena said that, um, a good one on this. I know that when I am happy and stress-free, I'm actually comfortable in my training and nutrition space. Mental unhappiness triggers my chaos in gym and food. And that, and I think that works for different people. Um, a little bit more stress than most people can deal with is is my comfort zone. I like being in there. Too much and things start to hinder. Not enough, and that hinders me as well. Because it's that inverted U graph, which like most things fall into, isn't it? Like if you've got too little, it's not good. If you've got the right amount, it's perfect. If you've got too much again, performance starts dropping again. Yeah, and I think like my U is a bit like higher up because mm. I, I do you put, speed that way. I put a bit more stress on me myself than like most people should. <laughs> but I, uh, you can't. But your you might go boom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. You too far over. Oh seven. yeah. And 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 that that little millimeter of difference makes a big difference. That that goes from me being happy and then burnt out is a very 
it's a very thin line, um, which is very hard to. Uh, it's, it's taken me a very long time to know when that when that needs to happen, um, which is an interesting one. Okay, um, blah, 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 blah. moving on to your one, and that is the skills you really want cannot be taught, but they can be learned. So I picked this one because I think it's the perfect example for flexible dieting. And, you know, Grenade Fits just started and I know that the first week everyone stresses out because I always give them a flexible dieting approach. Now, I give them meal plans as well, but it can be very daunting and I'm well aware of that, which is why I always make it clear, like, if you try this, I will fully support you and guide you as long as you put in the effort to actually try it. But this is something <clears throat> that like the quote says like you can't really teach it you have to apply that teaching as you go so like applied fat loss like you're trying to do this as you go and you'll learn as you go and you'll need help and guidance as you go but to try and just teach it from say like a powerpoint presentation does it won't resonate enough and you won't sort of hit the same block so you've got to be like okay i'm trying this and then oh i've got a a night out tonight what am i going to do about that how am i going to deal with that I need some help and guidance. This is how I do it. And as you go through different, different sort of hurdles will bump up on the way, but applying the rules and the, the techniques that we have via flexible dieting, you can get around that and it will serve you so much better in the long run. And to quote the Bible, the sort of give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Like, that is exactly what I see sort of flexible dieting or I don't even like giving it a name flexible dieting, just nutrition, like understanding nutrition, your energy balance, what your body needs, why macronutrients are important, what you should be eating, when you should be eating it, what matters and most importantly, what doesn't matter so that you can reach your goals while maintaining a social life, while enjoying the food that you enjoy and it's not overly restrictive and just unsustainable long term. And that actually says nothing to do with your willpower. I think some people are like, oh, well, I could stick to a meal plan long term. I've got great willpower. It's not about having great willpower or like failing on a diet or being successful on a diet. Diets are not meant to be sustainable. Most diets, any diet with a name really isn't that sustainable. And if you're sticking to a meal plan, it's 100% not sustainable. Do you honestly think for the rest of your life you could stick to a meal plan? Because there's no way unless you're living extremely restrictive life um but yeah that was that was my take on that one yeah it's a bit like a map and a gps you know like a gps you put it on you don't need to think you just follow it and steer and a lot of coaches have that gps method it's like don't question just do and you'll get a result um and a map it's kind of here's the instructions but you need still need to learn how to map read so you're going to make a few mistakes but then you're going to learn where you went wrong because you can see um as opposed to just, and then the, another great way is just going, look, it's over there. It's about 55 miles and it'll take you about six months. But if you just keep walking that way, you'll, you'll get there. And that's a very difficult way, very difficult. And it's a, couple, a way that I do have done a lot with nutrition. It took me like best part of 10 years. But I figured out a lot along the way. Some people never do. But if you get to your destination, like, fuck me, I was like, that was... That could have been a bit easier. And you're like, yeah, there you go, here's a map. Oh, I really like the GPS one because I think it's so true as well that if you're following a GPS, you'll get you'll get to your destination. But if you then took the GPS away, 
I had no, yeah, you would have no idea. Whereas if someone's giving you directions, for example, or you're reading a map, like, and then they took that away, they took the directions away, you've actually thought about where you're going. Oh, turn right here, turn left at the traffic lights. It makes you think, and you could probably get back. Or yeah. And get to we, we used to map read in the army, and like, it's, it's like what you do is you get a map, you do, put your bearings, and then you look at the land because you've got different hills, and sometimes it's actually better to go around a hill than over. Even though it's quick, you know, it's, it looks less distance to go over, but the effort that it takes to get over, it makes better sense to take the route around, even though it's longer. Um, and that is a great analogy for fat loss because sometimes a slow and steady longer approach is better than a hard and fast straight up and over because you think it's quicker. Because when you get to the destination, one, you're quite chilled because although it's taken longer, it's used less effort. But then the other person can't go on because they're exhausted. Mm. And when you understand that this is a, a 50, 100 year map race, uh, that it doesn't finish at that destination and it carries on because you get a new bearing and then you've got to go and walk that way, then you, you're a lot more patient. Because when you do get there, it comes back, you'll desire something else and then there'll always be a route to another thing. But as soon as you, as soon as you learn what people are teaching, um, I, I think that's important and people can sit on this live and just listen and just nod or they can go oh actually how is that relevant to me and what can I take from that and apply because you might apply something that we said and it doesn't work for you or it might be something different um, but then that comes with experience and, and trial and error. Uh, or even kind of what we've been saying about reading books and taking in information like can you maybe we've gone on too many tangents but can you sort of bullet point what we've said here and like have take-home points because that often really helps me like if I've been to a lecture I'd be like right what were the key points I needed to take from this lecture and do I understand this and you know what is the relevance to this and that really helps you actually think about the information and take it in as opposed to just listening to things and that's the one thing and I'm very bad for it about maybe listening to podcasts is if they're too long, especially I'll start doing something else while I'm listening and then it just drowns out in the background. And actually I've not taken in that information and it could have been missed a lot of really good stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I only listen to podcasts when I'm on my walk in the morning because I'm completely not distracted. But if my head goes, I, I, I literally switch the podcast off and go on something else, especially if I want to um, listen to it. And it's the same with books. You know, if someone yeah. can't, unless, you know, if I've, if I've got someone with me, I can't read a book. Because if they're talking to me, I've lost my train of thought. And that's why I and that's the reason it takes me so long to read books as well, because I'll stop if I get distracted. Or even if there's not anyone else around, like, my attention span for reading a book might only be 20 minutes. And after that, I'm not really taking in the information as much. And I might be reading it, but it's not going in as well. Yeah. That's why I like like what I'm doing with the War of Art. I'm putting it into a podcast to teach people, but I'm also absorbing it myself. And I think sometimes when you're held accountable to say to your social media, I'm reading this book, I'm going to tell you what chapter one and what I took away from it, it kind of holds you accountable to what you're doing. Plus, from like your perspective and from my perspective, one, it's accountability. Two, it's content. Um, and three, you are, you are able to absorb the benefit of the book, which is the whole reason that you read it in the first place, uh, instead of it being on your shelf. Um, 
I'm gonna jump onto this one. I just had the door knock. Um, people spend too much time doing and not enough time thinking about what they should be doing, and I'll be back in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, great. Now, I can't remember what you said. Let me write it. People spend... People spend too much time doing and not enough time thinking about what they should be doing. Ah, uh, okay. So when Jamie said this, the, fir the first thing that came into my head was the analogy of someone chopping down a tree. Now, people have probably heard this before, but one person might get started straight away, take an axe and spend hours and hours chopping down this tree. Whereas the next person spends the first 30 minutes sharpening their axe. You know what I'm saying already. And then they I chop axes. much quicker. So although they may not have, you know, they took a longer time to start, they knew what they were doing when they started. So they had a solid plan when they started and they've sort of sharpened their tools to do that. Yeah. And it's very much like that where we're talking about map reading and you can go around a hill or over. That person's off because he knows the direction it's going, head down, keep going straight. As opposed to the other person who's going, oh, hang on a minute. I'm just going to read the map, read the land, gives it 30 minutes, plans a route, and off they go. And they actually get there quicker because they planned out their route. So many people don't do that with fat loss. They're like, oh my God, I feel awful. I'm not going to eat carbs. I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. And I, I'm just going to put my head down and lose 10 pounds and it's like whoa hang on a minute patience let's let's get things ready let's have a look what we can re realistically commit to not just this week not next week for the next six months let's have a look at our schedule what have we got on over the next six months have we got weddings to attend have we got parties we've we got holidays how are we going to approach those and I think what most people don't do with anything that they do in their life is reverse engineer. Start with the end point that you want to get to and work backwards. If you've got 20 pounds to lose, say to yourself, okay, realistically, what is the ideal drop in weight per week? A pound, okay, pound. So one times 20, 20 weeks. Okay, how, now let's take some fudge factors in there, which we kind of want some wobble weeks. So let's, let's do 22 weeks. Let's look at the diary now. Let's go 22 weeks ahead and let's get that date in. Now let's work backwards from that date on the things that I have to do and are committed to during that time. Okay, it's summer. Okay, we've got Cheryl's wedding. Okay. Oh yeah, we're going on holiday for a week. Oh yeah, this, that, that. How are you going to approach those things? And this is so much better than going, right, I'm unhappy. I'm gonna, I've lost 10 pounds this month. Oh, Cheryl's wedding. I'm going to put 10 pounds back on because of that. And you lose that kind of control. And this is the, this is the, that kind of analogy that um, Emma stole. And, <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's sharpening the axe. Um, I say it a lot with training. So many people want to get in the gym and lift weights. I'm like, whoa, whoa, spend 10 to 20 minutes stretching and mobility first. Because what's going to happen there is you're going to stand less chance of being injured. You're actually going to get more of a benefit because you'll probably increase your range of movement, especially with your lower body. And you'll spend more time in the gym. Because if you do get injured and you spend two or three weeks not being able to lift that 
muscle, when we look within a year period, you spent more time actually out of the gym recovering than you have in the gym lifting weight. And all that took was 10 to 15 minutes per day before you got into that weights room of stretching and mobility, or as we said, sharpening the axe. And a lot of it comes down to impatience because people want to take action. So people spend too much time doing, as in like, right, I'm going to do it. And go, instead of going, whoa, hang on a minute, what is probably the most sensible and best way to do it? And there are some, there is a limit to this. If you literally, if you literally just plan out everything, you won't do fuck all. And it's kind of an academic's curse because they want to plan everything out. And whenever I um, spend time with Mike, he would probably say that I'm not an axe sharpener, I'm a doer. Because he spends too much time planning things out and thinking about what could go wrong. Which adds to a, a good friend of mine, um, Ross's quote, you have to be naive to start and stubborn to finish. And I think that's a huge, important quote purely because I do very naive things. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't even know if I'm going to succeed, but I'm going to try. If I do fail, I'm going to learn from where I went wrong, which a lot of people don't. And that leads us into that very famous quote about the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Because when I have people say to me, I got results with keto last time, I say, well, you know, how many times has this been? Because if you're doing it more than once and it didn't work last time, then surely it's not the right thing to do and that comes down to that sustainability so start thinking about this with lots of things start thinking about this with your training because sometimes it's good to go hell for leather especially if you've got an end point in date which is important at the end of the day i wouldn't care much about strategizing too much about my energy and emotions if i was getting ready for a world championship on stage but also it would make very 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 sensible logic to sharpen the axe on everything that i'm doing um and it's and it's getting that balance some things you do need to go hell for leather in and just take action and go and there's some things that you just need to kind of semi-plan out and there are other things which you need to really plan out i think it kind and of i think with um fat loss especially and you've sort of touched on this like the whole oh keto worked for me and then well it didn't because now you're back to where you were or maybe you're heavier than you were and yes, you could lose weight on it, but it wasn't sustainable. And that's something that a lot of people don't plan out. And I think it's because diets tend to fail, like most diets fail. So nobody plans the maintenance period yeah. or nobody plans what happens when you meet that goal weight or when you lose as much weight as you want, what happens then? So that's an important part to find that nobody really thinks about because you tend to not really maybe believe that you're going to get there anyway. Catherine said an interesting one. Already checked what restaurants are at the airport and what breakfast I'll be having. The little monkey with um, hands over their eyes. What's funny is the monkey with the hands over their eyes because that's where most people who go to an airport, that's what they do. You're the complete opposite of that. They walk in and go, it's 7 a.m. Mm. It's time for a pint of... <laughs> it's time for a Stella. That, that's going in blind. Going in aware is exactly what you're doing, especially if it's something that's important. And depending on what airport you're at, most of them are chain restaurants, so you can control your environment in there and actually look forward to knowing that you're going to have that thing and it's going to be okay. I would rather sit down 
and the fact that you've already checked what you're going to eat no one knows that so you can sit down you can order what you want and have a little smile on your face that actually the people around you are the monkeys with the hands on their eyes and you're actually the one that's aware and awake and smiling because you're staying on track and they're not yeah i think that's one of the biggest things about dieting that i've always enjoyed is making it look like you're not floating floating like a duck and paddling like fuck even if you're not particularly paddling like fuck, but do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be like mod, mod, oh my God, the macros and stuff. You just sort of think, oh, I'm just going to quick look at this on my phone. People just think I'm playing around. Oh yeah, that looks okay. Like you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Is my point? Like I, uh, I'm not having any wine because it doesn't fit my calories. Just say, oh no, I think I'm just going to have a water, a diet coke, or whatever it is. Like. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. I think people have the need to make a big deal out of it sometimes, though. They need to let everybody... It makes it harder. It does, but it's like... It's kind of a joke thing, and if you are vegan, don't hold it against me. But it's like when someone goes into a restaurant and goes, do you have anything on the menu that's vegan? They're like, no. And they get offended, and then they leave. And it's just like... You know, (laughs) it's like the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, but people go, no, I'm dieting, I can't have a drink. And that's when it goes wrong, because it's like, that's like, oh, come on, just one won't hurt, as opposed to, no, I just, I just don't fancy a drink now, I just want a Coke. As opposed to, no, I'm dieting, I want a calorie shit to diet, I'm doing this thing from Jason Fung, the obesity guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. But yeah, I mean, I think those quotes are fantastic, and uh, we got these from a guy called Naval Ravikant. There's some fantastic quotes on yeah, there. Yeah, they were all really good, actually. Yeah, and and I think you know, I think the biggest one here is really for us trying to understand this desire is a contract you make with mm-hmm. yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. I might actually see if I can message him and. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear his take on it. Yeah. Yeah, um, just purely to see where he's coming from from that and. A lot of it is basically not his own thoughts and they're usually patterns of behavior that he's seen from others because him as an angel investor, his his main priority is to see people's emotional states and how they react to certain things to grow multi-million and billion pound businesses, which are all based on emotion and decisions and outcomes from human beings and emotions and mix that in with a bit of artificial intelligence and machine learning as well. So it's fascinating anyway i'm conscious of time it is 10 45 and uh, we will cut it there because you do have an appointment and see i can i can do this time thing quite well thank you very uh, much ladies thank you ever so much for tuning in um i will be putting this on the train with jay podcast for those of you who don't know i've also got two parts of the war of arts uh, emma any passing words or comments before we vacate no have a lovely weekend cool Uh, Same to me, and uh, we will speak to you hopefully on Sunday, but if not Monday or Tuesday.